and boys and girls, children of all ages. They used to say stuff like that at the circus, like the Barnum and Bailey's brothers and stuff like that. So I'm sort of like the uh, the ringmaster, I guess. It's your boy, the nonprofit sector connector. Coming at you as we do every single Friday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern time, just below the roof of my house, right above the second floor. Where is that? You may ask if you don't know already. It's in the attic. Your boy, Tommy D, in the attic. Been in the attic, I don't know, 14, 15 months now. And this is where my friends nonprofit executive leaders. This is where they come to visit me. They come to the attic. They come to visit me in the attic because here's what you know I'm passionate about. I'm passionate about this sector, the nonprofit sector connector. I learned something this week though. Maybe this should be called something else. Maybe it should be called the for purpose sector. More to come on that in future conversations. But every second of every minute of every day of every week, month, year, the nonprofit sector makes an incredible impact. And the leaders of these organizations are making an incredible impact. They're adding value. They're changing lives. And today's guest is no different than that. And here's the deal. I believe that the nonprofit sector connector, unfortunately, is overlooked at times, obviously underfunded at times, and unrecognized for the great work they do. And the answer is philanthropy in focus, P-H-O-C-U-S, because I told you I grew up in the 80s and 90s and P-H used to be a thing. Plus, I like alliteration. I told you last week, definitely my favorite grammatical tool. And then I thought about it after I realized I don't know any other grammatical tools. So it's got to be my favorite because the only one I really know, guys. So I love this program. I want to do it every day of the week. That's a whole nother conversation we'll have because I'd love to figure out how to start my day every single weekday with another nonprofit leader in my attic. But today, let's just talk about what we're doing today. So I'm gonna read a quick background on my guest, have her come off mute in a second, introduce herself. But I will tell you, what's tragic to me though, is, is the, the challenges that veterans are up against in this country and have been for way too long. There are tens of thousands of organizations that are serving the veteran community and it's still not enough to end the tragic situation of the high rate of suicide. But we'll, we'll get into that in, in just a moment or two. But my friend, Judy Isaac Elias, excuse me, Isaacson Elias, founded Heroes to Heroes in March of 2010. Prior to this organization, she spent much of her, her life in broadcast media, radio advertising, sales and management um, with the regional Reps Corporation, XM Satellite Radio, MS Communications, CBS Radio, and Viacom. So she certainly knows her way around communications, right, Judy? So we'll, we're going to do some communicating today for sure. Um, ha has an undergrad degree in social work, her MSW later on, uh, master's in social work. Lives in Boynton Beach, Florida with her husband, Zev, and their dog, Benji. Benji almost was trying to get on the program, gang. A couple minutes ago, Judy's like, I got to get Benji out of here. Let me give him a treat. Let him, let him go inside. Uh, and she enjoys being a grandma while following her passion of helping veterans through Heroes to Heroes. Judy, just come off mute. Let's let's just dive in. And good morning. First, before you say anything, I love saying this. I used to say it before I had a show. And I used to just think I was doing a show all the time. I would say, welcome to the show. So, Judy, welcome to the show. Thank, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Uh, it's great. To, we've talked about this for a while. And I've been following you for a while, and it's it's great to be here. And I want to thank everyone who's listening in, everyone who's taking their time, because I know, you know, the one thing we don't have enough of, I know I don't have enough of is time. And so to give time to learn about, to learn about our veterans, to give to Tommy and his work, and all he's doing to just help make the world a better place means a lot. Thank you so much for well, giving us your time. That means a lot for you to say that. And I, I try to only, I say this a lot. I try not to cry on every single episode. So please stop. So don't do that stuff anymore. All right, I will I'm stop. Trying. You'll I'm have already. to cry. You may cry over other things. I will. You know what? I, have, I imagine today, I, I mean, with my shenanigans and flailing arms, I thought about coming up here to the attic as I was walking up the stairs. And I said, can I really turn on all the shtick today with this serious topic? And I think, yeah, I can, because that's part of why people come here. And then we hit them with a whole bunch of education after they get here. Maybe they come for the, for the comic relief but then we bring them the seriousness and they don't even know they're learning. Yes, they do. But so what, let's do this. I like to start all of our conversations with, were you drawn to nonprofit for some specific reason way before heroes to heroes, way before you saw this challenge and need, was there something that drew you to this sector, Judy? You know, I have to say no. Okay. I was, I was taught to always give 
to give money, give time if you can. And, you know, while I was younger, I was raising my kids as a younger adult, raising my kids. I kind of left that in my parents' house a bit. Mm-hmm. You sure. know, so I was raised in a Jewish home. We were told before you light candles on Friday night, you give charity. Every okay. week. And so as a two-year-old, I was putting quarters in this little box. Okay. And that stuck with me. But then as I got into the world... And I have to, you know, I'm got to tell you straight out. So I wasn't, I was in the broadcast business. I went to Wall Street for a little bit, which is how I ended up here. Um, you know, I guess it's you ingraining, being ingrained as a child that you give before you receive. Mm-hmm. And I've always had trouble accepting gifts. Hmm. And friends of mine have said to me, you know, like, please, you know, and I enjoy and I thank people profusely and I appreciate every minute. It's just a hard thing for me to do. So I was taught to give and I believe you teach your children to give at a young age. My kids were taught, give charity, give charity, give charity, give your time. You know, God is giving you the blessings of the ability to do it. So it's incumbent upon us to actually do it. And I guess maybe that is what led me here. If I think about it, And then there was an incident in my life, which, you know, we can talk about that was the inspiration for Heroes to Heroes, but 40 years later. Yeah. Yeah. But it's funny because I think there is these, these things that, and I was just talking to somebody, um, actually having lunch with a friend of mine who I think he, he grew up in Jupiter, Florida, and we were having lunch just here. He happened, he happens to be living in Pittsburgh now. And we connected last week, he was going to be in town. We had we had lunch and and what, what was coming up in our conversation was he was saying he hadn't seen somebody in, in a number of years, and this person said, "You were always um, that way, you know, in a positive way. You were always that." And he hadn't realized how how he was, you know, in a, in a certain you know, not to betray our conversation, but it was more it was something that there's these things that are in our personality that can potentially you know maybe fade away a little bit or, or disappear. Or like you said, you have all the responsibilities. I'll tell you the truth. I wasn't necessarily, uh, you know, we weren't a philanthropic family growing up. We, you know, we, we did what we could, but it wasn't always a focus. I found that what's, what's incredible for me though, Judy is a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month ago at this point, I, I made a donation to a, a soup kitchen in, in the neighborhood here. And I brought one of my children with me, my daughter, and I probably talked about it on the show. I try not to talk about the kids specifically too much here on the show, but long story short, we, we go to the, the soup kitchen and, uh, and we ask them what they need. Cause that's always my question. How can we help? What do you need? And even in business, I'm always asking that, right? The connector mentality. And they said, we need rice and pasta. So my daughter said, can we go get rice and pasta? So we did. And we just basically, I took my arm on the shelf. You guys can't see me if you're listening, but just kind of pushed all the pasta and rice we could get into the cart. And, you know, it's been like 80 bucks or something. But the point of the matter is my eight-year-old says, we get in the car, we drop back, the food back off. And, and she says, daddy, that made me feel so good. And that was it. And I said, we're on to something here. So gang, I'm telling you, that's the stuff. It's like where, and that's a little, wow, a little bit of selfless but actually she felt good. So a little bit of selfish maybe too. So what's that about? Huh? Like we can feel good by giving. Right. And isn't that, isn't that like a really cool takeaway that you could do both? Like you're doing it to be selfless, but this, this eight-year-old child was digging the way she felt from doing that. So isn't that just going to incentivize her to do more stuff it's, like that? Right. Yes. And giving is about the person in many ways about the person giving, because you learn to feel good about it. And it's one of the, it's probably the greatest thing we can do is give to someone else, whether it's a piece of our heart, whether it's time, it's what we give, you know, especially time, but that's what feels the best just, and and some of it is so simple. And I've had people say to me, did you know you did this and what that meant? And I'm like, I didn't even know I did it. I didn't even know I said it. Hmm. And there's that book it's the five people you meet in heaven Mm. and that struck me as just it changed the way I thought about everything because I just said wow there so the premise is tell me the book because I I haven't read the book I just wrote it on my notes here but tell, tell us the story about that book so it's 
you know, it's about a man who passes away and he meets five people in heaven. And no, I think there were two or three he'd never even known. But one of the per, one of the people said to him that that person was about to commit suicide, was walking down the street, and this man passed by him and smiled and said good morning. And because of that, he decided to live and he had children. And it, it really struck me that the little, the nice little things that we, we may think are little, are, can be so important to someone. And just saying hello and good morning on the street. Literally changed the trajectory of, of somebody's entire Somebody's day. whole day, their life, just their thought about someone. They could be in a really down mood. And you just take that and they go, something clicks. And they say, you know what? Life is good. Life mm -hmm. is okay. People are good. And it, it's, uh, it's, you know, those little things. And I think, you know, we've been through a very selfish time. Mm -hmm. 2020, Corona, all that stuff. It's a very selfish time. And people have gone back to me, 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 me. I'm hiding in my house and I'm judging. And the judgment is what takes away our charity. And, wow. and that, I've seen it so much this past year and change, the way people judge each other. Our country is so full of judgment. Hmm. And if we take away that judgment, can you imagine what the news would sound like? <laughs> they wouldn't have 80% of the things to report about because most of it is about one person judging another. Yeah. And we have, don't we have so much more in freaking common than we don't have in common and not, not forget that throw the politics out, but just, you know, the, the race and color and everything. We're just freaking people at the end. But of the Even day. if it's different, it's okay. Right. And it's, it, you know, I think it's cool that people are different and that's what makes us interesting. You and I, Tommy, we're very different. We have some things we, we share, we, we share the love of philanthropy. We share just a lot of things at the same time. How much fun is it to learn things about that are different? Otherwise, it's, you're not it, learning. Yeah, well, the alternative is pretty boring, isn't it? Yeah, like, it's you just got everybody. Well, although I'm a big Tommy D fan, so if there was a whole room full of Tommy D's, I might. I might. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Here, we're gonna. Here's what I want to say because I, I I love this, but we got to take a quick break. But there's a quote from Robin Williams. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. And then we're gonna go to break and come back. But it says, um, I, I say it a lot, so let me just get it tight. Everyone you meet is fighting a battle you know nothing about. Yes. Be kind always. I love that quote. I try to think about that quote. You don't know what's going on in someone else's world. Just freaking be kind. I mean, like, come on. We're not asking for a lot. When we come back, we it's your boy, Nonprofit Sector Connector. 14 minutes goes like that. When we come back, Judy is going to talk to us. We're going to say, you, you mentioned Wall Street. You mentioned that's sort of how some of this happened. I want to hear the whole story. I want to hear the heroes to hero story. My people listening want to hear it. It's your boy, Tommy Dean, nonprofit sector connector in the attic with Judy from Heroes to Heroes Foundation. We'll be right back. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your conscious consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you interested in having a better relationship with yourself, others, and God? Greetings. I'm your host, Dr. George Andow, for the show, A Journey Through Into Awareness. On my show, we journey into the awareness that the mind of God is the true seat of our personal consciousness. We join together each Monday at 7 p.m., so tune in on Talk Radio NYC. 
Did you know that nearly one in five adults in the U.S. battles mental illness? Hi, my name is Albert Dabba. I'm the host of the show Extra Inning. Extra Innings, I discuss the topics of wellness, mental health, and the experience of surviving multiple suicides within my family. Listen live every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern to Extra Innings for discussions with sports figures, artists, mental health professionals, and many others. That's Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Hi, I'm Graham Dobbin. Join me every Thursday evening for the Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. We speak to people from business, sport, military and politics, all around what makes a great leader. The personal experiences of what's worked and, maybe more importantly, what hasn't worked. So, that's 7 o'clock every Thursday evening. The Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. Listen to real stories of real leaders. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Fortunately, that word static rhymes with attic. Otherwise, we'd have to find some other word that rhymes with attic. Thank you, Uncle Brendan, my buddy Brendan Levy, and the Damaged Goods for putting together that little ditty. That is our show song. And I, I uh, funny part about it, Judy, is everywhere I go, my kids are singing that song around the house now. So <laughs> and they, but they start <laughs> and they start chopping my name out and they put their own name in, especially my younger guy. He loves it. I, in fact, I was on a couple calls in the car. I had him in the car the other day. And he interrupts my calls to sing the theme song of the show to the people I'm on a business call. Oh, man. But it, they're digging it, man, right? They're getting involved. and, and They're proud of you. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. I, I'm Great. making an impact, man. I'm, I, I, you know, listen, if that's my legacy, if these kids are better off and better, you know, contributors to society, then, then I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. All right. I want to read something that I find first tragic. It. Let me just read it, and then you'll tell me the story of how we got to the Heroes to Heroes Foundation. This is a quote I'm reading. God wishes I was dead. We hear this from approximately 80% of veterans who take part in our program. 17 veterans a day die by suicide. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, there are tens of thousands of veteran organizations, but the suicide rate has in, in this community has remained just as high and consistent. So... What brought you to this challenge and problem and where you said, I got to be a part of this. I got to okay. be part of the solution. All right. I'm a, my father was a World War II vet. Very proud. Second day Normandy, Battle of the Bulge, liberated a concentration camp and never came home in many ways. He, mm. you know, he came home. He was physically was home. You know, I thought he was the greatest I still, you know, he's my dad. Yep. Okay. And we had a special Man, relationship. He is my superhero. And we, I, we kind of understood each other. Um, I had a rough childhood because of his PTSD, which we didn't know what it was at the time. And um, I was kind of the target in the family of my mom and my sisters. And mm. anyway, it led to major rebellion, um, self-destruction. And when I was 16 years old, I said, I can't live here anymore. I can't be in this environment. It's killing me. But I was doing what I was doing. And um, I went to stay with a friend and her family. And my my dad, We I spoke with him once a week. We didn't have cell phones then. And, <laughs> and he said, look, you know, we're able to get you on this program to go to Israel this summer. I was 16 years old going on 17. And he said, would you go? And my reaction was, I don't want any part of this. No, that has to do with being Jewish. I don't want any part of it. I'm not. And, and inside, all I could think of was I didn't deserve something like that. What, what was the program? Can you give us an idea? It was, a, it was a youth group, a teen group, USY pilgrimage to Israel. And it was, they sent Jewish teens six weeks go through the country. It was a fantastic program, sure. um, but I rebelled against it. And my dad said, please, would you do it for me? 
And now in my life from that day, and he passed when I was 42 years old, he had never asked me to do anything for him. So and then again, this was important. This was important to him. So I said, all right, I'll go. And, you know, and inside I'm saying, there's no drinking age. I can do what I want. Right. You know, oh, like, you're I'm, like, oh, this is pretty good. Maybe there's some. Okay. Advantage. You know what? Maybe I was stupid. Let me just do it. <laughs> well, when I got there, I started to change. And the day we were going to the Western wall, I had this overwhelming pain. All of the pain I ever felt just came to the surface. And I kept saying to myself, I don't deserve this. I can't go. I was afraid what, of what I would encounter when I touched that wall. Mm. And I said, you don't deserve it. You, you know what, this is not, this isn't good. And I was in tears and friends of mine said, you're here, you have to go. This is, you know, this is our place. We've been tell, dreaming of this. For, for those who know, the Western Wall. The too. Western Wall is, a, it's the remains of the Holy Temple, which for the Jewish people is what we yearn for. We yearn to be in Jerusalem. We yearn to get our, in our homeland and to rebuild this temple. And it's the last remnant of this temple, one of the last remnants. So it's a place where, it's very close to where the Holy Ark was, where we believe that God's presence is all the time. Um, we believe his presence is everywhere all the time, but that is like our, the closest spot to where our traditions were, began, where Abraham, right above Abraham, almost sacrificed Isaac, right. is right above it's that right, area. Right, yeah. is, so this is it. This, this, this is, is it for yeah. us. And yeah. I just said, I can't do it. And friends of mine held me as I went. And when I got to the wall and I put my hand on the wall, my whole life changed and my whole perspective changed. And I just said, wait, what are you doing? You got, it felt like I became whole again. Wow. And I just said, you have to get your act together. Go back, fix the problems that you had in school, make it work, build your life. What you an, have a purpose here, figure it out. Sorry to, sorry to step on yeah. your words there, but what an incredible experience for you. And obviously we talked about changing trajectory a little bit in the first segment of somebody's life, but this obviously changed the way you were going to live going forward. Oh, it, it changed everything. And I went home, I, you know, got more serious about school to the point where I was on a college track and, um, I, you know, went on with my life. I did go back and spend a year in Israel, my junior year, to get a little bit more focused and learn a little bit more. And I raised my kids in a religious home. Mm -hmm. And um, to this day, they still observe. And they're very, they're teaching, you know, I have a granddaughter, she's being taught how to live her life charitably and with God in her life. And, um, I, you know, life went on and uh, in 2001, my father died as a result of a car accident on his way to a Jewish war veterans meeting. Wow. Okay. And I, you know, I didn't understand the significance at the time. Sure. And when I was, we were sitting Shiva for him, the morning period after he was buried, we, people visit. And one of his buddies said to me, you know, I was kind of surprised that your dad went this way. I always thought he'd choose his time and place. He never talked to us. And it was the first time that someone said to me, you know, your dad was suffering emotionally. What was, I, I don't want to just open open this up if, you, if we should, yeah. but what, what, what does that mean? His friend said that. He thought that my dad was going to choose suicide. He thought he would take his own life. One life, day. yeah. And I mean, that never even... It wasn't something I thought about. Also, our generation, we never thought about that. We didn't know people who it died was, by suicide. Right. It was it was different time, and especially the greatest generation, right? That would certainly right. Was, and 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 again, I think, and I make no assumptions that I know anything about being a veteran. I never served. So, but as I what I've been taught and told by veterans is, this is a very 
proud group of people who don't usually put their hand out and look for help. And if I'm butchering that, anybody, my apologies. That's it's just true. what I've heard through my, my relationships and my own uh, people that I know and have told me that. Um, but I wonder if that's even more so. This was not things we didn't, you know, I talk a lot on this show about the, the, the challenge and the, I'm angry about the stigma. You guys have heard me before. If you listen to my show, I'm angry about the stigma with mental health issues and, and, and that we do, we have a problem with it still to this day, but I would, I would say 50 years ago or so, they didn't talk about this at all. We're not, we're trying to figure this out to talk about in 2021. Um, it certainly wasn't discussed before, right? Especially, you know, oh, no. man up, man, man up. You know, boys don't cry, right? You know, you walk it, walk it off. Although I say that to my kids sometimes because most of the time they're not really hurt. You know, so I say, yeah. you know, walk it off. But but there was that whole mentality where that wasn't something you talked about. That's weakness, right? To talk about your emotions and your feelings, right? Right. And my I father- I, I don't believe that. I'm saying that's how it was. That's how it was decided. perceived. Right. And it's still, it's still a stigma. Yeah. And, you know, with my father, he wouldn't even go to the VA because he said, I don't take from my country. <laughs> so there was no, we, one thing we do at Heroes to Heroes, we encourage, everyone's got to register with the VA. Whether you like it or not. Before they can get registered. You, you want, you, that's part of the, the, the deal. Okay. You have to be counted. They have to know you're there. There are incredible programs there. You know, just be counted in it. That's how the VA gets its funding. Be part of it. And that's how we will just say, you've got to do it. That's one of our requirements that you're registered with the VA. Um, it's up to them how much they want to use it. So so let me just take this in a yeah. different direction if I could, because uh, believe it or not, we go to a second break like that, Judy. This is how it goes. Right. This is how the show goes. We move fast. Um, so let's do this. So your father unfortunately passes away in that car accident. You get this revelation of information from a friend of his that this was something he was going through and he was challenged with. Where does that take you? What happens? Okay. Move up to 2009. I'm working at Morgan Stanley as a rainmaker. I meet someone who says to me, would you do us a favor? And would you help us visit soldiers at Walter Reed to throw a hot Christmas party? I said, all right, I guess so. Go down. When I met our soldiers at Walter Reed, it that was it. I walked in there and I'm gonna quote Stevie Nicks because she had the same feeling. I walked in there as an American. I walked out of there as an American mom and uh, the mom of all of our vets. And I just said, wow, the pain I felt and it was emotional pain when I was, what I was seeing, they were afraid to come home. They felt guilty that they had been shipped out of, you know, Iraq or Afghanistan. And I said, I, there's something going on here. They served and they felt guilty and they're injured now and they're back and they're feeling guilty for having left. Yeah, for having left their buddies. And also, what do I do now? Okay. How do I, yeah, what can I do? How can I be of service or what? what's... How do you go home? Yeah. And I one of the things that we glossed over okay because war is this thing that is on the news or maybe you play a video game war is about killing okay it's not about the politics it's about killing or stay, staying alive for mm -hmm. our soldiers they're in a battlefield and it's not like us we go to work mm -hmm. okay i i'm a soldier i have a gun in my hand mm -hmm. and someone wants to kill me okay and someone wants to kill my buddy and that's war. It's not the political, the armistice line or whatever's going on in Washington. It's about how do I survive today and how do I help my buddies survive today? And if we started thinking about war that way, we would start looking at everything differently. And when our guys go to war, that's their job. It's not, let me get a proposal done. It's right. let me stay alive yeah. okay, and make sure the guy next to me or the woman next to me is sleeping in that cot tonight and not, okay? and not, and not, not six feet under, right. not being sent home. So, so this is, we're going to be back in two minutes, everybody with, with Judy Isaacson, Elias, founder, executive director, Heroes to Heroes Foundation. When we come back, Judy, you're at Walter Reed, 2009. You've now become an American mom. 
you change your perspective and you're going to tell me what we're how we solve some of, for some of this problem it's tommy d in the attic we'll see you in two minutes gang you're listening to talk radio nyc uplift educate empower Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy and Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. Hi, I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Wise Content Creates Wealth. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Friday afternoon from 1 p.m. to 2. They say content is king. Well, wise content rules the world. Every episode features tools and tips for content marketing and business people telling the wise content stories of that success. Tune in every Friday from 1 p.m. to 2 on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. Join Tommy in his attic. Well, that's me. Join Tommy D in the attic every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern time where we amplify the message for nonprofit organizations. You heard during the commercial break, you heard me and you heard my buddy Steve Fry and Steve's uh, program comes on right after my program. He's got a friend of ours, Dr. Dorothy Martin Neville coming up. So stay tuned. Uh, but he, he's, he's checking in on Facebook and he says, uh, OK, now I'm going to start to cry. So, look, Steve's show is called Always Friday. This used to be called Philanthropy and Focus. Maybe we'll call it Always Cry Day here with Tommy D because we get emotional here in the attic. Judy, um, you become an American mom after Walter Reed Hospital after seeing what these veterans are up against and, and, and just their mental challenges and, and they don't know what's next. What, how does Heroes to Heroes, what is the, what germinates? We're going back, you're 16, 17 years old, going to the Holy Land, okay? Mm-hmm. Fast forward, it's 2009 somehow you take these things back together. What happens? Okay. I knew I had to do something. I started volunteering for different organizations and, and researching suicide. And I said, this is at the time it was, the number was 22 a day. And I said, this is, this is insane. This is a federal crime. Okay. Our soldiers our veterans are committing suicide. It's a federal crime. How do we solve this crime? How do we solve this problem? And I start reading about suicide, going through all this literature, doing deep dives, and everything led back to faith. And I said, whoa, why isn't this out there? This is so simple. What do you and mean I thought, back to faith? Lack of faith? They didn't Yes. Um, for example, research was done with women. And women who are connected with their faith and community are five times less likely to die by suicide than the rest of the population. It's a tough, it's tough to do research in this area because you don't want a control group. You know, you don't want that, that group that's going to, you're going to let do it. So 
when I tell people this, I get comments like, wow, sometimes I hear that. Yeah, that makes sense. And what I started as I started researching what's going on with our vets, uh, the moral injury started coming up more and more as part of it's either separate from PTSD or part of PTSD, depending on which physician you're speaking to, which medical expert. So moral injury is caused by doing something that is abhorrent to you. Okay, we were brought up, brought up in America. Our faith, our, our culture is you do not kill. Right. And then these people are put on the front lines. And as you said in an earlier segment, your job is to kill. Your job is to kill. Okay. Now, well, your job is to stay alive. Okay. And sometimes that requires killing. So most Americans are probably like 70 to 80% of this country knows enough about their personal faiths, whether you are Christian, Jewish, uh, Islam, you know, Muslim, whatever your faith is. Most people, and probably a little less with, with Islam, most people understand about a third grade level of their faith, which means they understand there are 10 commandments and you blow one and that's it. Mm. Okay. So because of that, our connections to God, we're going to talk about God now. God mm. is a tough, tough conversation to have. Our connections to God are easily frayed because they're very black and white. Mm. If I do something mm. bad, God isn't going to want me to mm. live. The real story behind connections to God is they're very they're very internal. They're very individual fluid, and they're individual. And for people who, you know, and I believe that, you know, God doesn't put me in a position that I can't handle, or he's not getting me out of when God puts a soldier in a war, it's because my job is to stay alive. Okay. And it's that soldier's job to stay alive. So when our soldiers go to war, and their world is black and white and their faith is black and white. Often we hear, and as you had mentioned in the big beginning, one of the questions that are asked, because research is being done on our program by the team that's doing the research is, what do you think God thinks of you? 80%, God wishes I was dead, okay? Now, get up in the morning thinking that. How do you get through the day, okay? <laughs> So what we do is I decided that journey saved my life. Would, the, would a journey to the Holy Land for people, no matter what faith, and about 98 and change percent of the vets we take over there are of Christian faith. Mm -hmm. um, what if they went on their own journey, their spiritual journey to reconnect? Would they find that connection and would they find forgiveness? And the forgiveness piece is key. And when we look at our lives, what are the things that keep us up at night? Lack of, lack, of, lack of forgiveness. Okay, whether we're not forgiving someone and we're angry, or we've done something that we would love to be forgiven for. And the way that we're the way that we practice it in the U.S. doesn't really reach the heart. How do you say to someone, I know in the Jewish religion, for me to forgive, first of all, when you murder someone, there's no forgiveness. It's that's connection to God because the person you do, we believe the person, the only person that can forgive you is the person you've wronged. Right. And how do they do that if they're no longer? And if them? you've murdered someone, that's between you and God. Hmm. I'm, I'm the family member. I don't throw forgiveness at you. That's not where that comes from. So at the same time, there's a difference. What is the difference between being a soldier and being a murderer? Okay. We don't explain that. And one of the places we go in Israel and people ask me, why don't you take them to DC? You know, we take them to the Holocaust Memorial Yad Vashem in Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. And that memorial talks about the difference between a soldier and a murderer. 
Hmm. The German, which, which, the, which it, it, they, they, these individuals need to have that separated and parsed out because it's, it's kind of merged. To, they, they, again, not to assume anything that anybody right. feels or, or is in their mind, but there's this connection where it's an equivalency. What they've done is murder, and now they're they're in this set over here. Is that it? Yeah, they're in that set, and they can't talk to anyone here. Okay, many of the therapists, even in the VA, are not soldiers. Okay, so if I haven't done what mm-hmm. you've done, there are two options where you're comfortable with me. Number one is total acceptance, which means no judgment. Mm-hmm. Okay, and in the US, we're very judgment. We're pointing fingers. There's gotta be a reason. There's gotta be someone to blame. Okay, when we're talking to our veterans, they're not to blame, okay? It's our job on this earth is stay as, you know, as a believer in God, my job on earth is to stay alive so I can keep praising God and connecting with my relationship. Mm -hmm. So what they did with their relationship with God, that relationship is fine. And they just have to know that. They have to understand. So, so, so I want to ask you a question too. So let's go logistically. What exactly happens? How does somebody get into the program? What What does it look like? Okay, um, we have an application online at heroes to heroes dot org. H e r o e s t o h e r o e s dot org. Thank God for spell check because when I'm texting heroes to heroes for which I have been lately, <laughs> good thing I can I don't know how to spell so well sometimes. So oh, sometimes spell check doesn't even yeah that's a whole other thing. <laughs> but um, they apply online. Very often people are referred to us through clergy, through family. We have children call about their dads and their moms, and um, through more VA. Um, therapists are referring us and other, we work with other vet, veterans organizations to refer to each other. And um, so people apply online. They are given, they have an interview, they're given a survey. We take combat veterans who have been deployed. We would love to take every single, everyone who volunteered at the same time, we've got a, we're evaluating um, our the team that's working on our research does evaluations where they tell us this person is needs to go right now. We triage. Mm. Uh, so we send teams of 12. So they go through a process. They're accepted into the program. The program is a one-year program at minimum. Uh, and uh, it starts with the team getting together on WhatsApp they meet in New York and they travel from that airport for their 10 day journey. And that begins the program. And during those 10 days, they go, they start up north in the Galileo, in the Galilee, and they walk where Jesus walked. They get baptized in the Jordan River. And often that baptism is the beginning of that cleansing. And that baptism is preparation for us to go to Jerusalem and Bethlehem. So there's a big celebration dinner after the baptism. But for many of our vets, that is the cleansing of everything past. That's the beginning, starting anew. It's a new birth. It's a new start. So from the Galilee, we head to Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, there's a beautiful 9-11 memorial. And for many of our veterans, it was put up by JNF, Jewish National Fund. It has the, the name of every single veteran carved into it. Every single, um, sorry, person we'd lost carved into it. It is haunting. It's beautiful. And that's the beginning. That's the entrance to Jerusalem. And many of our participants joined the military because of 9-11. So it brings it all together. But in Jerusalem, they walk the stations of the cross. They go to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, you know, the Via Dolorosa. They're at the Western Wall. Um, If we have um, Muslim participants, they go up to the Temple Mount. So we go to, you know, all over Jerusalem. We go to Bethlehem. So they see 
where Christianity began. They learn about who they are, what their roots are. They get to explore their first Jewish Sabbath and what it's like to turn off for 24 hours. Sure. Who knows what that's like anymore these days, right? And yeah, I do it every Friday night to Saturday night. My phone's off, my TV's off, and it is the best day of the week. I nap, I read, my husband and I play board games. It is the best day ever. But they learn about that. Many of them adopt a Sabbath for themselves when they return home. Wow. Even if they're not of the Jewish faith, you're saying they find Yeah, yeah. It's... They'll, you know, we'll say, do it on Sunday, spend the day, go to church, come home, turn it off. I love that. So, you know, there's one particular friend of mine who, who observes and my buddy, Robert and hello, Robert, uh, who's had a birthday this year, big birthday. So, Hey, you know, if you're listening, I'm thinking about you. Uh, It's, you know, I, I yearn for some of that to put the phone away and, and find that time and just shut it down. So, um, so I want to find my own time. Maybe that's the, this is the inspiration to do just that. I want to, unfortunately, we got to take another quick break, Judy. So mm-hmm. what I, I want to know when we come back, I really want to know, just, we have some, a little bit of time to wrap up. I want to know anecdotally what's happened, how people's lives have changed. Right. I want to know the future of the organization. And I want to know how we can help you and, and the people listening, what, what type of connections you need. Cool. Cool. Perfect. Thank Ladies, you. gentlemen, boys, girls, all ages, your boy, nonprofit sector connector, Tommy D in the attic. We'll be right back. <laughs> You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. Right, ladies and gentlemen, that's your job. Cut through all the static. Join me in the attic every Friday morning at 10 Eastern time, 10 a.m. That is uh, 300 people have gone through the program of Heroes to Heroes Foundation. Um, Dr. And I lost my notes. Sorry, gang. But Dr. Joseph Courier, is that the right name? Yes. Dr. Joseph Courier is part of the team that's studying the impact. And he's a, a, a renowned specialist in moral injury. Is that correct? Correct. Yes. He's the lead on it. Yeah. He's the lead on that team. So he's doing some research and tell me, give me some anecdotal stuff. Give me the stuff, Judy. Like, give me I'm going to give you the stuff. Okay. okay. I'm going to take Harrison was on team two. Harrison was a fighter, was angry. He got to New York, he got to Newark and he cussed me out. And he said, what are you a white lady? Jewish lady at that think you can tell me. And according to Harrison, I said to him, Harrison, you just tell me what you need. That's it. Take the time, be selfish, 
You tell me what you need, we'll be there for you. And according to Harrison, that actually got him on the plane hmm. because he said, I wasn't fighting with him. I met him where he was. You didn't try and tell him how it was, right? Nope. And you know what? That's where he was. He was angry. Mm-hmm. And in time, I said, let's see what goes on. It was my second team. I'm mm-hmm. going, okay, I don't, you know, I have a degree in social work. I haven't done this ever. <laughs> so let's see what happens. So we got to the third day, we went to the Western Wall. And Harrison had third degree burns on his hand from his injuries in Iraq. And he was angry. He would sit in the back of the bus with his hands crossed, wouldn't talk to anyone. And we start walking into the the plaza to the Western Wall. And he was pretty angry. And there was a, a black family, an Ethiopian family that was celebrating a bar mitzvah. And he says to me, you know, he asked me, who were those people? And I said, well, they're from Ethiopia. Israel rescued tens of thousands of Ethiopian Jews, brought them here. And, you know, they've been in the country. This is the second generation. And he just said, I didn't know, you know, and I said, well, it's, this is a very diverse country. Well, Harrison describes going up to the wall and he said he was in pain all the time, 24 seven. And he, he had, the day we called him, he was sitting, the moment we called actually, he was sitting at his table. He had taken all of his prescriptions, drop, had dropped his kids off at school. He was in the middle of a divorce. The kids didn't want to be with him. He had drank whatever fifth he had sitting there and he took his weapon out and he was writing a note to his kids. And he picked up his weapon and he said, God, if you want me to be around, show me a sign. Well, that moment the phone rang and it was two coaches from Heroes to Heroes telling him that he was selected to go to a program to go to the Holy Land. And he said, he dropped the weapon. He couldn't believe the weapon was even in his hand. And he sobered up that moment. It was like he hadn't drank, he hadn't taken anything. And he started looking online and he said, whoa, this is a sign. So weeks later, he's walking up to the Western wall and he puts his hand on the wall and he says, nothing's going on here. And he goes to turn away and he said, a guy who looked like ZZ Top came up to him and said, young man, get serious. And he turned around to go back to the wall and he said, he got angry. The old stuff came up and he said, he turned around and there were like 500 of them standing there. He didn't know who it was because he wanted to deck the guy. So he goes back to the wall, he puts his hand on the wall and he takes a breath. And he said, all of a sudden, he got a tingling from the top of his hand to the bottom of his feet. And his hand where he had the burns got very, very hot. And he had to take the bandage off. And he said, before that time, when he took the bandage off, it would he'd be in so much pain. And he, so he took the bandage off and his hand didn't hurt anymore. And he said, he started praying, he started crying. And he felt that everything, all the stuff in his life, all the negative stuff was just gone. He left the wall. The next thing he said to me was he ran, he saw me. I was waiting for everyone because they all go separately to spend their time. And he said that I told him that he looked different, that he had a big smile on his face. Now, Harrison works for us. This was back in 2012. His kids and he are best friends. He's remarried. He has a beautiful wife. He is a spokesperson for Heroes to Heroes. His life has changed. He's clean, sober. His two children are in college. And his life is so different. Now, Harrison is one of dozens and dozens and dozens of stories 
Rudy, I want to interrupt you because here's the yeah. thing. I want to, I want to, <clears throat> I'd love to have Harrison and some of the other guys, if they guys and gals, if they ever want to come on the show, let's do that. Let's, let's do like, oh, a definitely. We're this, do I, that. I think we'd have so much fun with that because they're the ones that are going to tell the stories. They, they've yeah. gone through it and they've come through the other side. What I want to do, just give me 30 seconds on who, uh, how can people get in touch with the organization Great. and what do you need real quick? Okay. Heroes to heroes.org. You can write to me, Judy at heroes to heroes.org. We're having three golf outings, meet our vets. Volunteer. Three golf outings. <laughs> three golf outings. One okay. in July 12th in New York, uh, October 18th in Boca Raton, hmm. uh, November 8th in Los Angeles. Um, we can use help when our vets, when they go to the hotel in New Jersey before they leave, they need to be welcomed and entertained. There are so many things that we can do. We can use volunteers. Um, be part of this. We are beating. How, how often is the trip? The how trip, often is the trip? This year, we're sending three teams. Um, generally, it's six, but because of travel issues. Yeah, sure. Next year, we expect to send eight. Our goal is to send 12. It costs us about $10,000 a veteran for the one-year program, which includes their spouse's program. There are a lot of things. Uh, we say have that number again. Cost. How much does it cost? It's 10000 a vet to send on the program. And for the one-year program after, and uh, we are, you know, we num number one is, you know, always financial, but number one is giving your heart and your time because that's often harder. Uh, so please join us. We are beating suicide. We are doing it. We have found a magic formula for many of our veterans. It's not a one-size-fits-all, but please join us and be part of our team. I'm going to put some people on the spot. Steve Fry, your show's coming up. So guess what? They need entertainment for the vets. You're certainly an entertaining guy and I'm all right too. Maybe we go down there, you know, Judy, when, when down the Jersey and we'll talk about it offline because we are at time gang. I appreciate you all coming to that Judy. I appreciate the work you're doing. Shout out to Harrison. Shout out to the rest of your team. Harrison, I look forward to meeting you and thank you for your service. And I look forward to certainly meeting you at some point. Judy, thank you for being here. I'm going to bring the show to a close. That's how fast this program goes every week, but we're amplifying the message every Friday morning, 10 a.m., coming at you from the attic. Your boy, Tommy D, nonprofit sector connector. How do you get in touch with me? You know what it is, tommyd.nyc on the Instagram. That's for New York City, but my kids said you knew that already. tommyd.nyc. On the email, you get me, tommyd at philanthropyinfocus.com, but and focus is spelled P-H-O-C-U-S, like the guy in the picture. I drew that. All right, so that's how you check in with me. Stay tuned to the station. Steve Fry coming up always Friday. He's got Dr. D. Hey, Dr. D, we love you, darling. And then we got after Steve Fry, Jeremiah Fox, Entrepreneurial Web, Joseph McElroy, Wise Words, Create, create Wealth. Don't forget the New York City Imagine Awards. Judy, I'll talk to you about that later on. The New York City Imagine Awards applications are due on Monday, nycimagineawards.com. Make it a great day. Have an incredible weekend. Tommy D., Judy, thank you for being here. Thank you, Tommy. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the Nonprofit Sector Connector, coming at you from my attic. Each week here on TalkRadio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on TalkRadio.nyc. Hi, I'm Graham Dobbin. Join me every Thursday evening for the Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. We speak to people from business, sport, military, politics, all around what makes a great leader. The personal experiences of what's worked and, maybe more importantly, what hasn't worked. So that's 7 o'clock every Thursday evening. The Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. Listen to real stories of real leaders. Hi, I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Wise Content Creates Wealth. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Friday afternoon from 1 p.m. to 2. They say content is king. Well, wise content rules the world. 
Every episode features tools and tips for content marketing and business people telling the wise content stories of that success. Tune in every Friday from 1 p.m. to 2 on talkradio.nyc. Hey, all you listeners looking to boost your business. Why not advertise on Talk Radio NYC with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply send us a message on our website, talkradio.nyc. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. Howdy, I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7 Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 